Three, two, one. Welcome to the Dose of Caesar, the podcast where we run weekly life experiments, question our assumptions, and explore new ways of thinking. I'm your host and fellow experimenter Caesar, and my roommate just walked in. It's uh, state your name, bro, for the record. Alejandro. Alejandro. All right. Junior. Okay, that was enough. <laughs> That's funny. What's up? All right, this podcast is not brought to you by the Four Hour Body. Fat loss, muscle gain, how to run, how to have a 15 minute orgasm. Really, anything that has to do with the body is covered lightly in the Four Hour Body. And I mean lightly because the subject has an every subject has an immense amount of depth to it, right? But what Tim does when it comes to the Four Hour Body is that he he gives you these uh these little gold nuggets that you can use in your own life that he's found to be the best uh, tips of advice in his life. He's experimented with all these things. And he says, hey, this is what I found that works. A lot of people tested it, and this is what worked for them. The reason I love the 4-Hour Body so much is because it's not like a it's not like a Bible of all the knowledge in the world. Really what it is is kind of like a launch pad of more learning about the body. Anytime I have a question about the body, I go to the 4-Hour Body. And I open it up. I see what Tim wrote about it. But my research doesn't stop there. Then I go on the internet and I do my own research. I uh, find the people who are the top in the world or like the like the mad scientists of that field. And I want to see what they're doing. Then I'll usually buy a book that is on that subject. For example, I did this when it came to running. I did this when it came to weightlifting and I wanted to gain more muscle. And I've been doing it now that I'm trying to lose fat. But I need to do a better job. I, I, I need to do a little bit even more research because the research never stops, right? You're always constantly testing. And you got to figure it out for yourself. You got to figure out what works for your body. Everybody's, everybody's body's different. So if you want kind of like a place to start for almost everything that has to do with, with athletics and optimizing your body, I recommend The 4-Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. Once again, this podcast is not brought to you by The 4-Hour Body. All right, we're back after a one-week hiatus. Why did I uh, not record last week? Because sometimes, cause sometimes I'm just a bitch, and that's what happens. But we're back. So last week's experiment, I still ran an experiment, was um, running the last, uh, doing the last mile diet on the four-hour body. Now, the last mile diet is a chapter towards the end of the fat loss section that um, – it gives you outlines a diet that usually bodybuilders use before a competition. And Tim explains that when everything else has failed, because so he gives you a slow carb diet throughout the book, right? And this slow carb diet will get you down to a low body fat percentage up to a certain point. Since you are still eating carbs, um, you're eating beans and you're having a really ridiculous cheat day, or at least I am. Um, but you'll see that you're, you're still going to be losing weight until a certain point where you plateau. And at that point, then you can bring in the more uh, the finer points of the slow-carb diet, which is like um, adding the lemon juice, adding the slow eating slower, your meals slower. And, um, and after that, you'll hit another plateau, or maybe you're just impatient like I am. And then he provides the last mile diet, which consists, here's what it consists of, for me at least. My diet consists of eggs, spinach, olive oil, spinach, chicken, and more spinach. A lot of spinach, actually. I eat a lot of spinach. The reason I eat a lot of spinach, look, Tim said 
in the four-hour body, you can eat as much spinach, Brussels sprouts, other vegetables you mentioned, as you want at each meal. Here are the guidelines. You have to eat every three hours. Um, and, and the way I found that I'm able to feel good throughout the day is by just adding more spinach. So currently I'm eating four, four and a half ounces of chicken with each meal and uh, about four ounces of, of spinach with each, with each, with each meal. Um, breakfast consists of four eggs and four ounces of spinach. So I'm just pounding down spinach. <laughs> My shits are very green, if you're wondering. Very, very green. It's quite incredible. But what have the results been after a week? After a week, um, we went down to 96 centimeter waist and 179.8 pounds. Um, in my journal, I wrote down that today is today's the 16th of June. June 9th, I measured my waist at 99 centimeters, um, and I forgot to just to write down my weight. <laughs> I just left a, a blank space for weight. I love it when I do that. And then, um, but then if we go back even further, on June 6th, I measured my waist at a uh, 98 centimeters, and um, my weight was 179.8. So the waist has definitely gone down, um, which I'm, which I'm very happy about. I mean, that's that's what we're looking for because that tells me, at least in my book, that I'm losing some fat. The the weight really doesn't matter to me. It kind of does, because I know that throughout this whole process, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be losing muscle, and whether it's a lot or a little, I don't know. But which is why I'm trying to I don't know if this is the wrong thing to do. It might be the wrong thing to do. I'm trying to lose the fat as fast as possible. I don't want I don't want this to go on for weeks, because my thinking is, and I'll be the first to say it. This is not I haven't done any research on this, but I'm thinking if the faster I do it, the less muscle I'll lose. The slower I do it, the more muscle I'll lose because of the the diet that I'm on. Um, either way, I decided to just hone in on we're gonna get on a very to a very la fa very low f fat. Jesus Christ, can't talk. I can't ever talk. We're gonna get to a very low fat percentage, and uh, and really the goal is just to see the abs. We just want to see the abs. And I threw everything else out, out the window. I don't care about the muscle, retaining muscle. I just want to see the abs. That's the one goal. That's it. So moving forward, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to add more cardio every day. And we're going to continue to eat every three hours. I need to be a little bit more on top of it with the three-hour eating. Because sometimes I let it slip. So what's the new uh, weekly experiment this week? It's doing one hour of cardio every day. And it's, it's kind of easy cardio. Because I want to make it enjoyable every day. Uh, I'll get on the treadmill and I'll speed walk, speed walk. And it's it's to a point where, like, I'll, I'll be sweating a little bit. I'll be sweating a little bit, but it's definitely not, I can handle it, you know, the uh, the speed that I'm doing for 30 minutes. And then in there, um, I'm throwing in, like, two, two uh, one-minute runs um, every half hour. So I'll go really fucking fast. And this is, I know this isn't a lot, but it's really enjoyable because I'm also watching, I'm watching Amazon Prime while I'm on that treadmill and I'm listening to music. And that's the, I think for me, at least that's the key, just making it enjoyable. And this has been for the last two days.
Very enjoyable. Any blockers so far? No blockers. Those are the experiments for the week, for last week and this week. Now this week I started reading a new book. The book talk. Here we go with the book talk. I'm reading Finite and Infinite Game. Finite and Infinite Games. Um, a Vision of Life as Play and Possibility by James Kars. This is a very interesting book. I think James Kars is a psychologist or something like that. Um, and this game, this, I, I, it sounds like a, like a math book. And when I first picked it up or I started reading it, cause, cause the, the reason I got interested in this book is because I heard Kevin Kelly, um, talk about some of his favorite books he's, uh, ever gifted. And he said that recently this, this book, he, he really liked this book, Finite and Infinite Games. And he started talking about how, um, you can look at life, everything you do in life in two ways, a finite game or an infinite game. A finite game has winners, has losers, has players. And an infinite game, and a finite game ends at some point. But an infinite game never ends. It keeps going. But it still has players. Um, the thing is, is that you're no longer winning because every, let's call it win, quote-unquote win, when somebody wins, it becomes another part of the game. So um, let's say you, you reach a milestone of like you make a, a certain amount of money, right, um, that you had wanted for your entire life. And, and so that in a finite game, you would win the game. You won the game. You, you got to the end, right? But in an infinite game, once you reach that, that point, you already know that the game isn't over. The game continues. The game just adds that as a, a new aspect of the game. So now you have all this money that you've always wanted. And what's the next thing? Kind of what's, at least that's how I'm understanding it right now. now what's the next thing? But the beauty of uh, what James Carr's presents this, or is presenting is, is that you can do this not only with all your goals, but everything you're doing in life, with everything you're doing in life. Because sometimes we, uh, I think it's easy to do it with like a, looking at your career but you can do it with relationships. You can do it with um, everything. I started to see how w the the areas where I look at my life as uh, finite games is usually the areas where I'm suffering the most. And you see, an infinite game is uh, brings out the uh, the playfulness in you because in a finite game, you're very uh, you're very attached to a certain outcome. And I've seen that for me. Um, I mean, I think that's it brings up a lot of anxiety and stuff, and and it's not to say that I'm not competitive. I, I I like competition, even though I haven't been in a lot of competitions. I'll be I'll be honest, I haven't been in a lot of competitions, but I do want to compete. I want to compete in jujitsu, uh, other martial arts. I I'd like to compete in uh, some sort of culinary competition one day, but with this taking this perspective. Um, throughout the whole, throughout the whole competitive process. Um, now I don't know, it might be that it, it might not work, but I think it will. So anyway, I'm reading finite and infinite games, uh, changing my mind about the way I view things and seeing almost everything I do as an infinite game. And, and the joy of an infinite game is that the more people you get to play it, uh, the funner it is, you know? 
because it's no longer you're trying to beat people. It's you're trying to get more people to play it because it's always going to keep going. And the more people you, that play it, the more interesting the game gets because everything in an infinite game uh, becomes like another aspect that you can use in playing the game. Uh, when other people achieve their goals, it's now another aspect uh, of your game that you can use or that you it's, it, it makes it more interesting. I know I'm not explaining myself fully, partly because I'm still reading the book, but I really like it. I really like it a lot. So let's move on to some random topics about learning, things I'm interested in, um, and um, that have been on my mind for this past week. Number one, Krispy Kreme donuts are not doing it for me anymore. You see, my roommate Alex, he um, he likes these donuts called um, Round Rock Donuts up in kind of like North Austin, and I always told them they're um, they are one step behind Krispy Kreme donuts because every time I remember, I, re I recall eating a Krispy Kreme donut, it was an incredible experience because because of the texture. I just love the texture of a Krispy Kreme donut, how it's so soft and chewy. The other day on cheat day, however. I had a banana cream donut, a coconut donut, and a Boston cream pie donut from Krispy Kremes. And each each <laughs> each donut I ate, like the, I first ate the banana cream, I was so disappointed. I was like, this is just bland. You're just giving me straight up sugar. There's no flavor. There's nothing for me. There's no experience here. You're just straight up pounding sugar into my into my mouth. Then I was like, okay, maybe it was just the, the banana one. Nope. I went to the coconut one. It was just a just a bunch of just a bunch of sugar. What's going on? Where's the flavor? Where's the flavor, Krispy Kreme? Where's the coconut? I mean, it had coconut flakes on top, but there was no coconut in the flavor. Then the Boston cream pie was just a fucking mess. It was just a a, a mash. Just it was just creamy. It was it was a mix of doughy sugar and creamy like pudding sugar. No flavor, man. No experience. I got so disappointed. I take I take back what I said. Krispy Kreme donuts are no longer the best donuts I've ever had. I think I have yet to have the best donuts I've ever had. So that's uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. Moving on. I have a new interest of uh, in hand making pasta. Now, in the last week, and a lot changes in a week, people. I began. I actually, this is what happened. Joe Rogan had Chef Evan Funky on his podcast. And whenever I see a chef on Joe Rogan's podcast, which has been two times in the in the last like three months, I get really fucking excited because it's because I, I love cooking and he usually has really interesting chefs on. So before watching the episode of Joe Rogan, I searched up Chef Evan Funky and, and it was just a bunch of pasta making videos and I watched him make pasta. It was incredible. First of all, the guy has a great personality. Like he has a personality, kind of like a star personality, an entertaining personality. But then his passion for making pasta just blew me away. Like this man found his craft. He found his passion. He found what he wanted to be the best in the world. He found what he wanted to give the world. And that is great pasta. The great, the greatest bowl of pasta you've ever had. And uh, this, uh, something about that just speaks to me. Because I, I kind of want to do that. I want to find my, what's my bowl of pasta that I, the greatest bowl of pasta ever that I can give the world, you know? For for Chef Evan Funky, it was actually a bowl of pasta. 
Um, I don't know what it is for me, but I'm in uh, that idea of having something that you can give the world that you that nobody else can, because you're so um, you're so dedicated to making it better every time. That it that inspires me, and uh, I listened to the whole podcast. It was cool. But then I started doing, I just started watching a bunch of Chef Evan Funky videos. And I started learning about how he went to Italy to, to study under like these, um, these two ladies who had been, or no, it was one lady who had been doing, making pasta by hand for like forever. And then he became a pasta master. He was making pasta for 12, 16 hours a day. That was all he was doing. And he came back and people were like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, this is how pasta should be. Fuck your machine. This is what pasta should be. And, and I watch a video where he's showing you exactly how he's making the pasta. And it's incredible the little details that he um, – everything, everything matters when making pasta because pasta is a very simple – what appears to be a very simple thing to make. It's just flour and, uh, and eggs, right? But it all matters, right? You get shitty flour or you get shitty eggs and – and of course, the quality the quality goes down because there's just two ingredients. But then after that, what matters is the way you knead the dough, how how moist it is, and and then it's it's all these little things. And you can see you can see he's taking it all into account, but he's also trying to explain it to you without vomiting a bunch of information that he's he's processed over the last um, uh, y- ten years or thirty years. I don't know how long he's been cooking. Oh man, dude, it, it's fucking amazing to watch. It's kind of hypnotizing, and so uh, <laughs> I, I just when I think of food, I, I straight, I go into like my romantic part of myself because I think of food and I think of gr- making a great meal for a, somebody in a romantic setting because that's the, that's fucking awesome. You make a great meal for somebody that you you like. And then just watching them enjoy it, and it could it could be even not not in like a, in a it could be not with like a girl you know that you're trying to get at. It could also be with like friends and family, watching them enjoy a bowl of pasta or whatever the fuck you made, and they're like, mmm. But it, as long as it's genuine, you know, as long as they're not bullshitting you, I hate that. I hate when people bullshit me, and I I never know if they're bullshitting me, so I always ask like twenty times. But are you like, are you sure? Are you sure it's good? And I, and I, in my head, I'm constantly, every time I make somebody a dish, I'm asking myself, how can I give them permission to critique what I just made? A lot lot of people need permission to critique your, your, your food because uh, they don't want to be mean to you or whatever. But I, I'm just like, fucking tell me, fucking tell me so that I can get better. Cause sometimes I don't even know what's going on. I don't know. Sometimes, uh, one time, I'll, I'll give you an example. One time I made a creme brulee. I was tr- learning to make the creme brulee that, I, uh, that I've, I've since then learned how to make. And I made it for a, one of my friends and her friend. And I thought I had made it perfect. I was like, oh, this is going to be the best creme brulee ever. But I had mixed, uh, I think I put a tablespoon of salt or some shit like that <laughs> instead of like a a pinch of salt. I don't know. I did something with the salt where I put way too much salt. And I I tasted it as soon as it was done. And I was like, oh, this is fucking great. And I gave it to them. And they were like, uh, they're like, oh, this is good. This is good. And I was like, no, give me some criticism. They're like, oh, I don't know. I guess if, 
if there's anything I can say, um, maybe next time a little less salt. And then I tasted it <laughs> and I was like, what? And then I took another bite because the first bite, I did, it didn't register. And the second bite, it was just salt. I was like, oh, that's right. I fucked this one up. And a lot of times I can tell when I fucked it up, right? I'll be the first one to say it. I fucked this up. Uh, pasta's overcooked. Pa- pasta's undercooked. Um, the flavor, there's really no fucking flavor. Um, but I'd like to get other people's perspective. So the question in my mind is, how can I give you permission to to tell me uh, this th- this wasn't very good or th- this? I-, I think it's missing this. Or actually, there was nothing special about this. It's a bowl of pasta, whatever. I could have made this myself. And... Um, <laughs> With my new obsession to pasta, I, I made my first handmade bowl of pasta the other day. It was actually not that hard to make the pasta, <laughs> but was it good pasta? Definitely not. It was definitely not good pasta. Here was what I think was the problem. It was too thick. Now, Chef Evan Funky says that your pasta should be thin, as thin as uh, the thinness should be about the equal thinness of two post-it notes that's pretty fucking thin and my pasta was definitely not that thin and i forgot he said that until i was um preparing for this podcast that i saw it in a video or actually it was one of his comments on his cookbook because he has this awesome fucking cookbook where he teaches you how to make pasta by hand which i'm planning i want um but anyways, there was a, there was a comment that was shitting all over the book. There was like, "This is a terrible book," and then it mentioned, uh, "You need to have your pasta like uh, as thick as two uh, post-it notes." And I was like, "Oh, that's right." He said that in the video. It, it hit me at that point because my pasta was way too thick. It was weird. It was weird. But the cool thing about making fresh pasta is that it doesn't really take that long to cook. Um, I I did use really shitty ingredients, so that that must have had a uh, uh, must have had a, a part in making the experience not as good. But overall, it was all right. I mean, the pasta stuck together; it's it stayed together. I was able to make some fettuccine, some uh, some really thick paparadele, 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 and uh, some spaghetti. It was cool. It's cool. I made my first uh, three types of pastas. Were they good? No. But uh, I made them, and I, I shared it with some friends. Oh, man. And I got excited. <laughs> it's it's just something cool, making things by hand, um, especially when cooking. I get kind of lost in my cooking, and I think about maybe I should work in a restaurant. Um, but you know what? I I see how chefs work and how it's so stressful and so fast and and uh, and every, it just kind of seems to take the fun away from it from me from like ah, that that rapid environment i don't know i don't know about that or like maybe just uh i see like a lot of chefs screams chef funky gets pretty fucking he gets pretty riled up <laughs> um and and uh, and it's all really tight and you're not seeing who's eating your food I don't know. At this point, I can't see myself working in a kitchen. But in a tradition, I guess in a traditional kitchen, maybe, maybe I should work in a kitchen. I don't know. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm going to talk about this a little later. So I made some money um, freelancing. I uh, I got on Fiverr. I put uh, put up some posts about me doing some writing gigs. I did a bunch of a bunch of different things, and then I got I got a 
I got one request to write a script for a YouTube channel. And um, I feel like I feel like a prostitute. I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel dirty. I feel used. I feel. <laughs> I feel. <laughs> Here's the deal, and I. It's nobody's fault but my own. So everybody's price on Fiverr is like five dollars because they're in like Pakistan or some other country where five dollars I think would be a lot. At least that's what I was thinking. I was like, $5 is a lot, like, over there. Um, for the amount of writing they're doing. 500 words. So, But everybody had $5. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll do $5 for 500 words. This guy hits me up. He's like, how much for 1,600 words? And I'm like, ah, well, I'm, I'm trying to be honest here. So if I if I said five, 500 words for $5, that's a dollar per, per hundred word. And he was like, I need 1,600 words. I was like, all right, $16. He was like, great. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, fuck, what have I done? And I looked up to see what 1,600 words looked like. It's about three pages. Like um, if you're doing 12-point font and in the script, about three pages, not, uh, maybe two, right? If you're not, if you're not, if you have longer paragraphs. But uh, yeah, I had to write this shit. It took me way more than, uh, I mean, $16 isn't even worth my hour, you know? I, I undervalued myself immensely. And that actually, that was one of the takeaways from this experience that I've been undervaluing myself. I sometimes go for like really low prices. And, and, and as soon as I, this guy said, yes, I was like, why the fuck did I say $16? I should be charging this guy at least 30. And then later on, I finished um, the script and I was like, fuck you. I'm doing 50 for this, like even 50. But first of all, it took me about three, three, four hours to get this done. Cause I wanted to do a, a decent job, a good job. And, um, yeah, I just I was just I was glad I got it done. And I was glad that actually I was kind of glad I had this experience because now I can shave. I made some money. Woo! And now we're going to shave. We're going to trim First of all, we're going to trim this up because it's oh! crazy. What up? Bro, you made money. That's that's my that's my roommate. Yeah, I made money, bro. It was like $16, but <laughs> I can shave now. It's oh been six God. months. And my roommate's freaking out because, yeah, it's been six months, dude. I haven't shaved. And, and let me tell you something about this beard. I keep asking what the uh, – what's the – what's what's like the evolutionary advantage of what I've got going on here because it's it's not a lot, let me tell you. And it's kind of, it's kind of just under my chin. You know, I've got a nice little long beard growing. But – Everywhere else in my face is pretty clean. And then my mustache. The, let me tell you about my mustache. My fucking mustache doesn't want to. It seems like it doesn't know. It doesn't have a sense of direction. It's kind of like me right now. It's a little lost. Every hair seems to go in in whatever direction it wants. Some go up. Some go down. Some go straight. And it's it's pretty fucking crazy. And I've gotten to that point with the mustache where I'm eating. I, I end up eating half of it with every bite I take of a meal. So I'm pretty excited to be uh, shaving that shit. And um, But let me tell you, I will never write anything else for $16 again. And that guy got the deal of the century, okay? Because I did a great fucking job on that script. And for only $16? Are you kidding me? And also, I realized I'm not going to – I don't want to write about shit that I don't care about. I was writing about, like, mysteries, 
I was like, I don't give a fuck about this shit. Um, but good learning experience. Infinite game. You got to think infinite game. Everything's a part of the infinite game. Ah, uh, moving on. So you know how I, I just two minutes ago I just finished saying that I don't want to work in a kitchen. Well, I've actually been thinking about working in a kitchen. Yeah, I don't know. I I just what I mean is I don't want to work in a traditional kitchen environment environment where I uh, I guess I don't want to wash dishes. I don't want to be doing some some work that doesn't matter, like just chopping chopping vegetables for some chef that doesn't really care about the art. What I want to do is I'd like to work for someone who is as passionate as Chef Funky. Now, I know I just said he gets a little heated, but if I want to work for somebody who's got real skill in some sort of culinary uh, sector, particularly pasta, I'm really in love with pasta right now, and I want to learn how to make pasta from them. It's weird because I went to school for business, but but um, I'm starting to think maybe my passion is in food. And I'm not counting anything out. And it's actually quite exciting that I'm that I'm actually I'm allowing myself to think about contacting the I found this uh, one of the great great pasta makers here in Austin. They make everything in house. And I'm thinking of reaching out to them. And I've been thinking about this for a few days. And I'm, I, now that I'm talking about it in the podcast, I'm like, I sh- just fucking do it or not. Because I usually get into this middle ground where I'm thinking you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. You should do it. And I'm just here in this middle ground doing nothing. And this is where I waste time, I realize. I waste time in this middle ground. So I should either drop it or fucking do it. Okay, I guess I'm going to do it. I'm going to reach out to them, okay? We'll see what happens. Moving on. Last thing I have. Last week, I added stick figure drawings to the Caesar Encyclopedia. Now, I know it doesn't sound like a, like a lot, but to me, it was a breakthrough moment. The reason I added stick figures was because I listened to an interview with Tim Urban, who writes the, uh, the blog Wait But Why. And he was talking about stick figures, how he just started adding stick figures. And the reasoning, be- he was talking about how he hates articles that are just a bunch of writing. It's like homework. But you add a bunch of pictures in between, and now it's, he says it's like a game. Like I want to, I want to get to the pictures to see what's what's up, and I realize that it's the same for me. I love pictures, and I hate just a bunch of writing. So maybe I would have hated just <laughs> reading my own encyclopedia. And so I thought, well, all right, that actually sounds really cool because stick figures. I mean, I can do that. And part of the charm of uh, of drawing stick figures is that you know, you know, I drew them, and you know, I drew them pretty fast, and it's quite, it's quite amusing to see that it shows a little bit of my character and to me it just adds a little bit more like a charisma a little more charm like it's it's kind of quote-unquote like cute you know like it's it's an original drawing It, it it gives you an insight of how the way i think of things i loved it and i it was a big breakthrough for me i love it i love it it was with the caesar encyclopedia was was missing. Now, what the Caesar Encyclopedia is, if you don't know, it's a weekly email that goes out on Fridays that I um, was inspired from by Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Friday, where I send out five things that I that I found interesting and that I that I've been. Uh, I usually talk about my experiment of the week. Um, I'll I'll share like <laughs> like good recipes, um, all sorts of stuff, all sorts of stuff. But now each point has a little drawing 
stick figure drawing that I uh, that I drew in my notebook. And oh, I got to tell you, I get really excited about thinking about this week's uh, <laughs> this week's encyclopedia because I get to draw these stick figures because to me they're funny. <laughs> and it's it's better than the words. I think it's better than the words. The stick figures are better than the words. <sighs> and that's the end of the podcast. Look, a couple of things I talk about, a couple of the things I talk about are going to be in the show notes. For example, The 4-Hour Body and Finite and Infinite Games by James Cars. Those are the two things that are going to be on the podcast uh, on the show notes. Um, I'm considering, actually, I'll write it down right now. I'll put the Caesar Encyclopedia link encyclopedia link in the show notes. Um, but if the Caesar Encyclopedia link isn't there, you can just go to my website, doseofcaesar.com. Go to the bottom, sign up for the newsletter, and then you'll be added to the next one, to the next, to this Friday's, whatever Friday this is, whether it's in 2020 or 2030. doesn't matter. It'll probably still be there. And so I'll leave you with this parting quote from the book, Finite and Infinite Games. See if I don't mess it up. Here we go. To be playful is not to be trivial or frivolous, or to act as if nothing of consequence will happen. On the contrary, when we are playful, everything that happens is of consequence, for seriousness is a dread of the unpredictable outcome of open possibility. To be serious is to press for a, spe for a specified conclusion. To be playful is to allow for unlimited possibility. And that is by James Cars. As always, have a fantastic day. And uh, we'll see you later on this week or next week.